Hey, Melissa. Boy, it feels good to be back in the studio to, to make another podcast. Yes, I am super excited as well. So what amazing topic are we going to talk about today? Well, with the movie Midway coming out in November of this year, I thought it was a good time to highlight the significance of this World War II battle. As some historians have suggested, the Battle of Midway was the turning point of the war. Really? When I think of Midway, the only thing I can come up with is Midway Airport in Chicago. Interesting that you mentioned that, because the airport was renamed after this battle in 1949. Huh. From 1932 to 1960, Midway Airport was ranked one of the busiest airports in the world. Did you know that Chicago's O'Hare Airport has a connection to World War II as well? No, really? Yeah, O'Hare Airport was also named after a World War II hero, Navy flying ace Ed Butch O'Hare. O'Hare won the Medal of Honor for shooting down five Japanese bombers, which were en route to attack the USS Lexington, an American aircraft carrier, in February 1942. I see the picture that you have here. Is that President Roosevelt? Oh, maybe awarding the O'Hare Medal of Honor? Yes. Hmm. Unfortunately, America's first top gun died while on his first ever nighttime attack in 1943. Sadly, this was going to be his last flight. You know, it's really interesting. Growing up in Wisconsin, you know, if we think of Chicago, we're more likely to think about it as the city of gangsters, not necessarily a city of war heroes and war history. Yeah, it might be hard to believe, but O'Hare's dad might have had something to do with Al Capone's conviction on tax evasion. (laughs) Yeah, we know that O'Hare Sr. worked for Capone as a lawyer. It is believed that O'Hare Sr. became an informant for the government. Just a week before Capone's release from prison, O'Hare Sr. was gunned down. Oh, no. Who killed him has been a mystery ever since. So you've got, so there's gangsters actually connected then to the war. Exactly. So it's both. Yeah. By the way, if you go to Terminal 2 at O'Hare International Airport today, you can see a replica of O'Hare's wildcat plane. Oh, that's cool. I see the picture of it here. It's really neat. That's in O'Hare? Yes, it is. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to Uh, check it out the next time I'm waiting for a flight yeah and unfortunately nobody goes to terminal two i was gonna say i've almost never been to terminal two but i'll have to try to make (laughs) make a point to go hopefully with the uh, changes at the airport they'll put it in a better location yeah okay before we get back to the battle of midway let's deal with a a theme song with historical context you got it our theme song is from the 1986 hit movie top gun yes you know, didn't you tell me that your students think you look like Tom Cruise? In fact, they do. Really? <laughs> you don't seem to agree. How about we play the song? All right.
was great. So, when are you going on the road? I think you should go on tour with Kenny Loggins. That's a great idea. I will get my agent on that one. Do you have an agent? Not yet, but I love that idea. I think I need <laughs> one. Did you notice I added a little danger zone to the end of it? Absolutely. Okay. On to... The historical context. Of the Battle of Midway, which really rests on five main events. The Russo-Japanese War of 1904 is the first of these. For several reasons, America was shocked Japan defeated a European power like Russia, including race. Our friend, T.R., helped negotiate that treaty. He really was a pretty amazing president, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. The point here is that after the war, Japan was now on the radar of the American of America as a naval power. Okay, number two happened at the Washington Conference in 1921. At this conference, it was agreed on to reduce the number of battleships. America could have 30, while Japan could have 17. So why did they do that? Good question. The idea was that if you reduce the number of battleships, you reduce the chances of conflict. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, number three is the invasion of Manchuria in 1931, and more importantly, in the invasion of China in 1936 by the Japanese. So why did they do that? There's really two critical points here to understanding why Japan did so. First is they saw themselves as the superior race. I know we might see Japanese and Chinese as all being Asians, but the fact is they didn't see it that way. Human beings like to categorize people based upon race or religion or nationality. Of course, this doesn't work. People are complex, and so is history. That is one of the things I love about it. I never thought about it that way. The other reasons the Japanese invaded the mainland of Asia was for resources. Such as what? Yeah, like tin, rubber, iron, and oil. To make ships and planes, you need these items. After the invasion of uh, Vietnam by the Japanese, President Roosevelt banned the shipment of aviation fuel and then froze Japanese assets in America. Why did Japan want Vietnam? Because Vietnam produced rubber. The French, who colonized Vietnam, exported rubber through a company you might have heard of, Michelin. Hmm. Yep. Roosevelt's actions caused Japanese military leaders to plan an attack on the U.S. Oh, I never knew that. Well, that is why I'm here. Mm. This leads us to the fourth event, which took place on... December 7, 1941. Oh, wish my students had a New York accent like yours. <laughs> On this day, the Japanese launched a surprise attack, codenamed as Tora, 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 on Pearl Harbor. So what does Toro mean? Tiger. Oh. Now you know some Japanese. Yeah, it's very cool. The goal of this attack was to knock out the American Navy for at least six months, which it did. The Battle of Midway was about seven months after Pearl Harbor. The success of the Japanese Navy can be seen by the fact that they destroyed almost 50% of the American fleet in just one morning. The attack also taught the American Navy a critical lesson. The aircraft carrier, not the battleship, would determine the outcome of this war. A carrier is a little bit like a mobile airport, right? You got it. 
Thankfully for the American Navy, its carriers were not in the harbor on December, December 7th. The USS Lexington and Enterprise were out delivering aircraft to Midway and Wake Islands. It must be noted that Pearl Harbor was only one part of the Japanese military strategy. The overarching objective was the control of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, I never knew that. By 1942, the Japanese almost had achieved their objective. Two naval battles checked them, however. One of these was the Battle of Coral Sea in May of 1942. Here, the American Navy checked the Japanese advancement on Australia. I never knew that either. Yeah. The last event is known as the Doolittle Raids. These raids, as American Chief of Staff said was to bring the war home to the Japanese. Since the American Navy could not risk carriers getting too close to Japan, the Japanese mainland, they tried an unusual attack in the extreme by launching B-25 bombers from carriers. Once launched, the B-25 bombers dropped bombs on Tokyo, the largest city in Japan. Only 13 of these missions were successful, however. But the psychological effect caused the Japanese military to shift their attention from Australia to the last hole in their Pacific front, what the Japanese called the Keyhole, or the Sentry for Hawaii. What we call Midway Islands, which is are about 1,100 miles northwest of Hawaii. By doing so, the Japanese believed they could destroy the American Navy for good, including the carriers they had missed at Pearl Harbor. Admiral Iziruku Yamamoto, the architect of Pearl Harbor, decided he could fool the American Navy again. This time, Yamamoto used a faint or fake attack on the Aleutian Islands off off Alaska. This might have worked, but unbeknownst to the admiral, his plan was known to the Americans through a code-breaking device they called MAGIC. To ensure that this message was accurate, the American Navy allowed the Japanese to intercept another message, which said, We are running out of fresh water at Midway. Once again, Magic picked up this message with another key piece of information. The Midway Islands Mm -hmm. would be attacked on June 4th. The trap was now set, or at least that is what American Admiral Chester Nimitz thought. So let's do a quick review of the key events leading up to the Battle of Midway. So first it was the Russo-Japan War, then the Washington Conference, the second. Third is the invasion of Manchuria, and more importantly, the invasion of China by the Japanese. Fourth, the attack at Pearl Harbor. And then fifth, the impact of the Doolittle Raids, which caused the Japanese to attack the Midway Islands where the American Navy was ready to do battle. Okay. For the rest of this podcast, we will attempt to answer two questions. How did the American Navy win the Battle of Midway? Or you could look at it as to how the Japanese lost the Battle of Midway. And number two, what is the consequence of the Battle of Midway? Those are very good questions. Thanks. I'm glad I thought of them. (laughs) At first, it seems like the American Navy had a major advantage with magic. This, however, was not the case. 
let's compare a few factors that demonstrate this point. First of all, the Japanese had four aircraft carriers at Midway, while the Americans only had three. The Japanese had 230 airplanes. The Americans had 221 airplanes. They did have a slight advantage because they had another 70 airplanes on the island itself. Japan had superior weapons. They had accurate aerial uh, torpedoes, proven at Pearl Harbor, armor-piercing and delay-fuse bombs. The Americans had unreliable and slow torpedoes, and they had no armor-piercing or delay-fuse bombs. So major advantage to the Japanese. Mm -hmm. The Japanese also had experienced pilots by flying a superior aircraft, uh, the Zero. American pilots had little experience, and their aircraft was no match for these Zeros. Hard to believe that the U.S. could be so far behind, especially given the fact the Wright brothers invented the airplane. Embarrassing, really. Experience was especially critical because, as historian John Keegan points out, The technique of launching and landing on carriers was extremely rigorous. While taking off, pilots often dipped below the deck of the carrier, frequently crashing into the sea. Mm. Landings were no better. Pilots landed at full speed, hoping the arrestor wires would hook the plane. If not, they had to immediately take off again or crash into the carrier deck. To make matters worse, pilots lacked radar to guide them back to the carrier after takeoff. Using eyesight from high altitude, they relied on guesswork and more than a little bit of luck. Remember, the Pacific is 25 million Mm. square miles. Boy, it's tough just thinking of how difficult this task was for American pilots. Exactly. So what happened at the Battle of Midway? Two critical factors took place that allowed the American Navy to win the battle. Both can be summed up in one word. Determination. Courage. No, really a major dose of luck. No way. Way. Yeah. The first of these factors is weather. The Japanese had deployed scouts. The most famous of these is... Tone 4. Which spotted American Air, uh, American Navy at about 7.28 a.m. on June 4th. An hour later, they reported aircraft carriers as well. The delay in reporting this information was due to cloud cover. It's really impossible to overstate how important this delay was. You see, the Vice Admiral, Chui Chi, Gamo was waging a land battle on the island of Midway first, which started at 4.30 a.m. When the Japanese planes landed back on the carrier, they were fitted with bombs for another run at the island. When he learned that the American carriers were also in the area, Nagamo switched from bombs to torpedoes, a process that took about two hours. Worse yet, the bombs and aviation fuel was on the Japanese carrier decks, exposing uh, them to enemy fire. So the American pilots just had to ignite the bombs and fuel that were already on the decks of the carriers. Yeah, exactly. Another critical factor began at 9 a.m. when 150 aircraft launched from the USS Hornet and Enterprise uh, um, occupied 
the Japanese carriers causing more delays in rearming their planes with torpedoes. None of these attacks did any damage, however. For a second time, luck would intervene again. At 10.25 a.m., a group of lost American dive bombers from the Enterprise found their target, the decks of the Japanese carriers. This time is critical since the Japanese were within minutes of launching their own planes. Moreover, the Japanese Zeros, having fended off two waves of attacks by Americans, were now out of ammunition, allowing the 37 dauntless dive bombers under the command of Lieutenants Wade McCluskey and Maxwell Leslie to engage the Japanese carriers. In the nick of time, McCluskey and Leslie's squads dropped from about 14,500 feet and aiming their bombs at the decks of their carriers, which were still littered with torpedoes and aviation fuel. The Agagi Red Castle was the first to be sunk. The Kagag Increased Joy and the Sori Green Dragon were next to go. In a matter of five minutes or less, the whole course of the war in the Pacific had been reversed, claims historian John Keegan. Before the Battle of Midway was over, the Americans and the Japanese would lose another carrier. As the saying goes, Sometimes it is better to be lucky than good. Of course, this is not to demean the accomplishments of the American Navy that day, who had to win the, the battle. Well, according to Dallas-ism, the Battle of Midway was a pivotal engagement, one that the Americans should have lost, but won instead by one of the most lopsided margins in naval history. So if the Battle of Midway was pivotal, what was the consequence of the battle? There are many answers to this question. I will just highlight three of them. First, the outcome of this battle proved that carriers were the key to winning the battle in the Pacific. American demonstrated, Americans demonstrated this by building 14 more carriers before the end of the war. The da- Japanese tried to keep pace, building six more, but with the losses of the four carriers at Midway, they, they could no longer be able to compete with the American industrial might. Two, after Midway, the Japanese continued to test the courage and resources of the Americans. But from this point on, the Americans would no longer be on the defensive. Going forward, the American Navy used a strategy of island hopping, which got them closer and closer to the mainland of Japan. When they got close enough, they deployed another new weapon, the atomic bomb. Four, three. Finally, Midway allowed the United States to turn its attention to Europe. That is an incre- that's really incredible when you think about it. With the destruction of Pearl Harbor, you would think America would focus mainly on Japan first. Uh, it also makes sense because didn't the fighting in Europe end first? Yes, May of 1945. The end of the Pacific took place four months later in September. Hmm. Well, one thing I learned, some very interesting Japanese words. Do you think you'll teach Japanese anytime soon? That's another great idea. <laughs> I put that, I'll put that on my list of things to do. Well, I hate to turn the page on such an interesting topic, but it's that time again. My next podcast will focus on a childhood hero of mine, baseball player Roberto Clemente.
A big thank you to John Keegan, Dallas Ism, and, Profed- and Professor Edward O'Donnell. Each educated me to the importance of the Battle of Midway. Thanks also to my podcast, my partner in podcasting, Melissa Basinger. As one of my favorite historical figures said, Some people see things as they are and say, why? I dream of things that never were and say, why not? Until next time.